The Money Show. Other people's money. Somebody who makes money out of managing resources businesses is Mike Tekke. Mike is the chief executive at Seriti Mines. Uh, Seriti is one of the country's biggest producers of coal and I'm sure has been a big beneficiary of the massive boon in coal exports as uh, the Northern Hemisphere went through an energy crisis last year. We certainly saw the listed players also um, make a very good um, hay while the sun shone in terms of Xaro and others. Um, benefiting from an enormous boon for for export coal. Mike Decker, we'll get to coal in just a moment, but growing up, you really did have very little, didn't you? I think you grew up in Kuruleni, and you joked with your daughter once that you grew up a vegan, and I'm not sure if you took you seriously, but I mean, you you were being (laughs) lighthearted about something that that was really hard growing up as a kid. I grew up in Kwatema, yes. It was hard, and uh, I think we experienced proper poverty then. And when I say growing up as a vegan, meat was a luxury in exactly. our family. And I was raised by a grandmother who was very resourceful and she struggled to raise us, but we never complained. What would South Africa be without grandmothers, eh? Absolutely. No, I tell you what, I mean, the debt of gratitude that South Africa owes to its grandmothers is nothing short of extraordinary. You, what, what was your first break? What I mean, how did you get, I, I don't want to say get out of Quatema in, in that sort of way, but how did you get a break that allowed you to begin to flex yourself and your capabilities and your abilities and start to make a different path for yourself that your family perhaps um, endured in your early in your early years? You know, Bruce, when I finished university, I became a teacher for a year mm. in Guatemala. And then I joined Unilever. I was a Unilever graduate trainee. Uh-huh. I think it started there. And you know in South Africa that it's either you were trained by Unilever or breweries. <laughs> yeah. And I was trained by Unilever. And I think I call that a big break. Then I moved to Bayer, the German multinational. And then after that, it was BHP Bulletin. The big break came in when it came when I was at BHP Bulletin and I saw this mining, big mining uh, industrial mining giant called BHP Bulletin, how it operated and what it produced. And I fancied myself running some of those mines. And I think the big break happened when that happened. Yeah. But you trained as a teacher. You're not a mining engineer. You're not an engineer of any description. What was it about mining that appealed to uh, appealed to you? That's a good one. I'm not a trained engineer. I, I was a trained social sciences teacher, and then I did an MBA. And when I arrived at BHP Bulletin, especially Bruce going underground at the mines, especially the coal mines. Yes, I started in chrome, and I understood manganese, and I went to platinum briefly with Impala for three years. But at BHP Bulletin, the coal mines underground, spending time with the employees, spending time with the teams that mine coal, getting to understand machines like continuous miners, shuttle cars and the like, you don't need to be an engineer if you are passionate about it. And I get, I got closer and closer to this type of environment until today, I still love going underground. Isn't coal like the least sexy mining you can do? I mean, forgive me for, for, for being blunt about it, but uh, I mean, but, but here's the story, and I'm sure modern coal mining is very different, but one hears the stories of the Industrial Revolution and the five-year-olds being sent down sure. the mines and, and, and you know, the, the men would spend six days of the week, 12 hours a day underground and then spend Sunday going to church and trying to scrub the coal dust off them until they died of lung diseases yes. because they would breathe in the, the carbon from, from the mines. I mean, it was a horrible environment 
it was a horrible environment and it has a great it has a history but today if i took you underground bruce you'd realize the power of technology the power of how technology has improved this industry and my machine like the continuous miner you see that employees are operating it with a remote control now standing it far far away from the machine simply because you're avoiding this task inhalation and to ensure that we drive zero harm you see how these shuttle cars operate with what we call proximity detection systems there are quite a number of technologies these days that are making the coal mining industry sexy and you're right historically it didn't look sexy but today if i take you to the mines open cast mining same you see beautiful machines like your drag lines uh, a lot of yellow equipment it depends what you, you you mine with but we find that technology has made this industry sexy and digitization is taking control of the industry of course uh, it, it's interesting how digitization is taking over absolutely everything and i don't know if ai has yet found its way into coal mining but it will if it hasn't hasn't done so yet talk to me about seriti mines and the extent of your mining operations nowadays you are a private enterprise of course but i'm, I'm curious as to just you know the, the wherefore and how for of seriti mines well the first three mines uh, the mines that we bought from anglo-american which is creel uh, that supplies creel power station new denmark color a power station and new Val Colleries that supplies Litabo power stations. And then we bought a project called New Lago. We're developing that project as we speak, Bruce, to supply Kusile power station. And then when the South 82, the Australian company decided to offload their coal business, probably they found it not sexy. We then raised our hand and we bought that business. And we bought a mine called Club Sprite Collieries and Middleback Mine Services and another one called Kutala Collieries. And we developed a project called Pegasus. So we've got all in all eight mines that we're operating as Seriti. And uh, we supply the domestic market and the export markets. And we're looking at other inland markets, of course. But the export markets right now, the challenges we face are more like on Transnet side, but we continue to support ESCOM in trying to ensure that these power stations are firing. Uh, talked about coal quality. So often we hear ESCOM uh, blaming coal quality, rocks in the coal and all of that sort of stuff. Oh. Uh, um, what, what's, the, what's the coal quality like in these resources? Are the resources still strong, stable, solid? We, we, that, all the mines that supply ESCOM, which I've mentioned, Bruce, the coal qualities are strong and the coal yep. qualities will still be there for the coming 10, 20, 30 years. In fact, you've got mines that will run beyond 20 years and the coal qualities we manage them daily we manage them hourly you spoke you spoke about it there are quite a number of technological advances that we're making in ensuring that the coal that is delivered at the mines at the power stations especially through conveyor belts is delivered consistently and the coal qualities are consistent you do have at some stage but it's not that much and i'm confident that going forward the coal qualities will be manageable uh, what about coal being public enemy number one in the battle against uh, carbon and carbonization of the global economy? I mean, we, we saw Europe, for example, decarbonize to an extent, but mothballed the coal-fired power stations. The moment they got into trouble as Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, the coal-fired power stations were, were, were fired up again, and the likes of Exaro and others were back on exporting huge volumes of coal into these countries yeah. to, to ensure the power supply came on. We're heavily dependent in South Africa for 
store our energy on coal. It's unfortunate the coal-fired power stations themselves are aged, inefficient, and unreliable. But but we it seems like we're wedded to coal for I don't know how much longer, but certainly for, for, for a long time we'll still be wedded yeah. to coal. But there are schools of thought where people who are denialists who say fossil fuels don't come don't don't cause problems for the environment i'm not in that school i believe that yes fossil fuels do cause uh, carbon problems we understand for the universe but as a country we've got lots of coal on the ground we can still mine the coal but let's not disregard renewables that is why seriti is invested in renewables that is yeah. why we've got seriti and we've got seriti green we've invested in wind farms we bought a company called wind lab and we're building wind turbines in the Mpumalanga area in the town of Morganzon, Bethal, Standardton and the like. We are building wind turbines and we'll be producing 900 megawatts of Whoa. wind. And we'll look into solar. So the point I'm making is that yeah. coal will still be here, but we acknowledge and embrace the transition. Even beyond that, I know the story of uh, EVs, you know, electric vehicles. We're talking about that and we will embrace that because we believe that the future will be fossil fuels transitioning into green. I agree. Um, 900 megawatts of, of, of wind is essentially two kusiles or two mudupis. I mean, it's a significant... No, no, it's not. It's not. 900 megawatts, it's one unit of... One kusile. unit. Oh, you see, now you, yeah. this, because I still, after all of this time, I still don't understand electrical speak, but you do. Um, so it's one unit of... So it's actually, it's, it's significant, but not game-changing. It's... it's yeah, it's not that, but it is a game changer. We need electrons on the grid. We need as much as much megawatts to make sure that we avoid this load shedding. So if you look at Gusile, Gusile it's 4,800 megawatts. One unit True. is 800 uh, unit, 800 uh, 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 megawatts times six, which is 4,800 megawatts. So yeah. we're building 900, as I said, with wind. But uh, every megawatt is important these days. Uh, when do you anticipate your 900 megawatts will be up and blowing? Well, we'll start building now and 2025, the first 170, 155 will be taken by Seriti itself. We'll be using that in Seriti okay. and then the rest will be, on, will be beyond 2025, 2027. How are you? I mean, it's, it's ironic, but I mean, how are you guys coping with load shedding? The mine, mining industry is a, a big consumer of energy, of course. And here you are digging up the coal to feed into the power stations that are struggling to supply enough power for us to, to actually keep our lights up. We, we cope because the coal mines don't get load shedded simply because if you load shed the coal mines, then there won't be any coal. If there's no yeah. coal, then the power stations will shut down. Gotcha. And can you imagine mine that supplies five or six of these power stations? What would happen? Yeah. No, no, exactly yeah. right. So that that to me is interesting as well. So you managed to avoid that catastrophe. You've also recently written a book, and I, I find this interesting in terms of leadership because you've, uh, in, in recent years, I mean, as your profile has risen and as you've led more companies and you became a leader within BHP uh, Billiton, uh, oh. you then at Optimum Coal, you were chief executive. You you see, you take your role as leader and as mentor, I think, deadly seriously. I take it very seriously bruce I, I i when i was young a gentleman called marius Klopos, who was the ceo of php Bulletin, yes. and a gentleman called philip herter who was the chief operating officer at Manganese, used to talk to me about that leadership role and they used to say to me i must raise my head 
make sure that I drive my leadership capabilities and build businesses. And I took it seriously. And I started studying a lot, started mentoring young people. And I decided that let me write my first book. Probably the second, third will come. I'm trying to compete with you, Bruce. And I'll make sure you'll, that you'll soon overtake me. You'll so soon overtake. I'll try me. my best. <laughs> so the story of leadership is very important to me. This country needs young leaders. This country needs leaders who will build this country and drive the optimism that we need right now. So I'm one of those people. Who I'm keen to study more on leadership. I'm keen to push the story of collegiality. I'm keen to push other concepts that I believe are going to make this country a better place. What's collegiality? Explain this concept to me because it it feels like it's very uh, supportive and collegial, I suppose. You know, Bruce, when when we started our careers as young people years back, we were told that when we walk into a boardroom, make sure that you become tough, ruthless, (laughs) make sure that you, you, you debate as hard as possible and make sure it's about winning the debate and drive your point home. I realized over the years that it becomes stressful for some of the people. It becomes difficult. You end up with fights and you don't win anything. How do you become collegial? You become one. Collegial means let's cooperate. Let's talk about issues. Let's listen to each other properly. And let's make sure that we harmoniously arrive at the conclusion of any argument or any project we work on. We work together and we cooperate with each other. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you stupid you just cooperating. But if you were to disagree, you will agree to disagree. And that's what collegiality is going to build in this world. Are you, are you allowed to get cross when you are practicing collegiality? Just a quick story on that. I remember having Brunt Pretorius, the man who ran McCarthy and then became a director of companies. And he was on the APSA board. And one week he came in and, you know, Brunt Pretorius speaks very softly yes, clearly. And absolutely. he's got a very gentle d- demeanor about him. Yes. And I said to him, Brunt, have you ever shouted at anybody? And he said, yes, about 30 years ago. And I still feel very bad about it. And I, I found that very funny at the time. And the next week, Maria Ramos, who was chief executive at APS at, this, uh, at the time, and so Brunt was on her board, came in. He said, where did Brunt sit? I want to sit where he sat. And I pointed her yes. to the chair. And she said, Brunt, last time he lost his temper was 30 years ago. We're such different people, Brunt and I. Um, and I just thought that was a wonderful, wonderful moment yes. of two different approaches to the world. So in collegiality, are you allowed to get cross? Well, people get cross, but nobody ever uh, fist on the table or throw computers or things at people. But people get cross by they are able to articulate their point across and they share their frustration. But nobody raises a voice. Nobody screams at anybody. But at the end of the day, we agree to disagree or we agree that we are achieving a goal. And you're right. I've spent time with Brandt Pretorius and I've watched him. You're right, Bruce. He comes out soft. He comes to you, he he, he handles his story clearly. And guess what? At the end of the day, you admire what he's told you. And I've seen that at Bayer. I've worked with one manager who would tell you that you must get out of his office in a nice and humble way and you'd feel really, really embarrassed. So I think collegiality is going to, rather than having people screaming and we told that we must be, don't scream at people, swear at people and you become much, it doesn't work. No, it's an inter- it's an interesting approach. Um, there are various estimates on your personal wealth. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you for a number here. Suffice to say that in a single generation, you've done remarkable things in 
the, the progress of future generations of the Teke family from from Kwatema, from not being able yes. to afford meat to you know to creating huge assets and family family wealth. Well, yeah, I, there's, there's, there's a generation that I believe is coming, and it's a generation that must work hard. And the next take a generation, it's true, Bruce. They must work hard in multiplying not the wealth, but multiplying the wisdom that this world needs. And uh, I, I count that and I look at a lady called, there's a company called Lady Dorothea Investments. It's the one that owned the no, sorry, sorry. I'll no, you dis- you know you you disappeared. The, the line broke at Lady Dorothea Investments. Who are they? Mike, where are you? Don't leave. Have me. I lost you? No, I, I'd lost you. You didn't lose us. We lost you. It's our fault, not yours. Lady Dorothe- okay. Dorothea Investments. Tell us about them. That's the, that's named after my grandmother, and that's uh-huh. the business that's in agriculture and financial services. I'm sure you know about companies like Anchor Capital yep. and the like. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, that's the business that I believe the next ticket generation is the one that must grow aggressively. But again, it's not only about money and wealth. It's about wisdom and sharing uh, the wise things that probably I will be building over the years because I'm going to work and I'll be like Charlie Manga at the age of 99, still attending AGMs, I believe. No, I, I certainly hope you are because there's a huge amount of value that needs to be added um, in, in our lifetimes. But when it comes to somebody who has created a generation of wealth, how are you going to manage a transition of wealth to future generations of techers? Because I think this is the biggest challenge of anybody who's made money, whether it be Wuthering Buffett, whether it be Jolly Munger and others who've gone, you know what, we need to ensure that our kids get a better start than we did, but let's not destroy their will to, I know. to make an effort. How do you we do don't that? Want- we don't want to destroy the world, number one, in that we are in a fossil fuel industry. But my future is energy, food security, and financial services. But beyond that, the young generation that is coming up, they will join the business one day, maybe five, ten years later. But the biggest thing is that they should understand that I'm not going away. I'll still be at the office. I'll still be working with them. But I'd like to share things with them. And I hope that they will join the business and work with me. Mike Teke, what a wonderful time to catch up with you and to chat to you. Thank you very much for joining us this evening.